good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the next episode of the After Hours Lounge. Um, as I said in previous ones, I will be uploading uh, one kind of by myself, talking about sort of the current issues we're all dealing with at the moment um, and, you know, what we're facing. My last one was on productivity um, and that. So if you want to listen to that, you can head to Spotify or Apple Podcasts to listen to that. This episode, though, however, I am joined by a guest. He is a, a very good friend of mine. He's a professional windsurfer. Um, he's one of the forefathers of the freestyle towing movement. Um, he's an absolute legend, amazing UK uh, freestyle windsurfer, and recently um, a very, very accomplished videographer and filmmaker. Uh, it is Mr. Adam Sims. Simsy, how are you, mate? Howdy, Sandy. Hey, with an intro like that, how am I going to walk out of this room? Huh? <laughs> that that door is looking suddenly smaller. Your head's going to be bigger, mate. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> you won't get out the door. Oh, mate, I'm telling, I'm just telling, I'm telling my truth, mate. I'm telling my truth. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I, I posted on my, on the kind of Instagram yesterday, I said, this is going to be a bit of a treat for all the windsurfers. Um, obviously that's, that's how we met. We met, I don't even know where we first met. I don't know if it was in Greece or in Cape Town or I feel like Cape Town was where that's we really started hanging out. Um, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's always like in the windsurfing scene, you don't really think about that. You just think about everyone knows everyone kind exactly. of, and then you, you, you know, like, some people you spend more time with and, you know, you get a lot better and have a yeah. good time with and you know, such as the case like now. And uh, like, I don't know. I mean, if, if I think of when we first met, it was probably maybe in Bass, you know, sometimes I'm appearing in Bass and, um, you know, for a week or two, my yeah. parents hang around out there and then uh, we cruise in for a day or two. Yeah, you've Might got to you. Yeah, yeah, they've got a, a little nice little setup out there. Yeah, sometimes jump on it. I remember it was nice. Um, so, so tell, I mean, I, I know a bit about you. Tell, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. Um, how old you are you? What's your name? Where'd you come from? When did you start windsurfing? Give us, give us the background. Yeah, I'm just turned 32. Uh, what a couple of weeks ago, a few weeks ago, um, just when this all started. So no party there. Well, mate, it's <laughs> um, not a milestone anyway. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And it's, uh, it's been a, a mellow one for sure. Yeah, no, I just turned 32. Um, been windsurfing for, what, like, uh, I really started like 15, 16 years old, um, but I didn't really get into it for two, three years. I had no idea about competition scene until when I started yeah. university. And then, like, middle of university, I realized it's like a whole world tour and stuff. And, yeah. Um, so, at so uni, I, I thought there was like, the, the highest competition level was the Student Windsurfing Association. <laughs> the and, then, uh, <laughs> and, then, and then I went to the first event and realised it was uh, there was a bit more to it. People were telling me, oh, yeah, there's a world tour and stuff. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so windsurfing since around then. But before that, I was into sailing a lot. And actually, I was um, into all of this sailing at, at quite a high level. I finished... Um, kind of my highlight of the career and then also the point where I realized that after that it wasn't really going to get much better because yeah. it's so competitive for one spot was um in I think it was 2000 and uh 2006 um yeah. no, I can't remember I, I'm not going to say the year but yeah, it yeah. was a while back when I was when I was 15 and um I I got vice world champion there in orbit seven class yeah and then um uh from this i i got into windsurfing i started windsurfing some friends at the lake where i was sailing they were into windsurfing they kept taking the piss out of me every time i was rigging up my boat and yeah, <laughs> <accelerating> <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. Just where's your hiking shorts? And yeah, it's like yeah. it's like trays in the back of the leg. Yeah, yeah, I remember. I've sailed as well, mate. So I know. Yeah, yeah. My hiking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it was um, it was a good time, man. It was fun, though. I mean, those are the years where you're peeing in your wetsuit and not not really caring about it, and in your dry suit sometimes as well. Oh. And then, you got every act, like turn it upside down. <laughs> Man, the smell in the changing rooms, I tell you. Jesus. Oh, mate, that's grim. There's yeah, a lot anyway, so, yeah, I've, I've, I windsurf now, obviously. Have been for a while and um, been doing a bit of that. I got quite competitive in it, in, in a sense of, like, national titles. and Yeah. Um, and actually, the international scene, I was, you know, I wanted to do well on it, but it's not been, like, my forte, as it were. No um in in like the actual windsurfing sense but yeah, i can put it down to bad luck and stuff for sure but there's obviously other reasons you know maybe i don't you know put a good heat together i don't know how to do that or something, yeah you know, whatever but i have a lot of fun you know at these events and enjoy it all that matters really isn't it you know yeah exactly yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. well it's, it's also it's a difficult sport to judge as well isn't it you know like it, it's not yeah. like basketball or football or these other sports where it's like right you've done this you've scored you know there's so much there's so much yeah, variation yeah. in the scoring and all this stuff that I yeah, think yeah. It, it can be really it, it's very like per, I think there's a lot of personal preference that goes on with windsurfing yeah. which is part of the great thing about it but also in terms of competition I think it's probably quite difficult um, no it certainly is but actually one thing to kind of contradict that is that you know I, I, I believe the same I believe that you know it's difficult to judge it and I've had like where I thought I was doing like really well, I've had heats where it's just been like the closest of margin, man. It's been so frustrating. But you know, it's, I heard something recently, and um, it kind of contradicts it all. And they they said like this person I can't remember who it was. They said that you know in the end the best person still wins, and it doesn't matter the condition. It doesn't matter where it is. Yeah, it's yeah. Like you know, you always have the best person still winning. So there there are people you know who just can't compete. And then, yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, I, I found the way in tone. I don't even know how. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's the thing. So, I mean, when did you when did you get to the point where you were like, you know, you were windsurfing? I think you, you kind of went into windsurfing in the SWA and stuff when that that scene was like really big, wasn't it? They had that there. This was before I was really into windsurfing. They had like their animal wind fest, and they had all these sick yeah. events in the UK. Um, yeah. And it looked like that was the time. Huh? Yeah, well, I, I mean, I that was when I was just. I was just getting, I started windsurfing in 2010. So I was 18. Yeah. So I think that, that was all going on then. And then as I started getting to a level to be part of that, that all like yeah. went completely downhill. Um, yeah, I know. It was, it's funny you say that because like I also felt like I joined at a time where it was just starting to go down. And I think that's kind of what happened. Like I remember doing like uh, Bright Air, like the, the Brighton, they had like the White Air on the Isle of Wight. Right. And then they got cancelled once and moved to Brighton. And yeah. then there was like, it was part of a series. And there was this really cool series for like two, three years on the UKWA, where there was like this UK scene yeah. um, and people going to, you know, all these different um, locations. We, we went up to like the top, furthest corner of Wales, man. It was like, <laughs> just to do events and stuff. And then, yeah, at the same time alongside it was the Student Windsurfing Association. They kind of went hand in hand because a lot of the SWA stuff was during the winter months, you know, like gnarly, cold conditions. Oh, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I remember like some events, you can't feel your hands and you've got to try and 
do a move or two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. It was a good time though, because everyone was like, I, I think there was a moment where suddenly a few people came into freestyle, yeah. maybe a kind of next generation, which was the generation I was I was kind of jumping into it. Yeah. And a few people joined it at the same time who were motivated from different areas. Sick. And then we just wanted to compete and stuff like that. I remember like Al Bentley and Nick Bentley. Oh, uh, yeah, cool. Uh, Ed Sinclair as well came in a little bit, like a couple of years later. And yeah, yeah. Obviously Max Morrow, I mean, he goes without, you know, without saying. It was, yeah, of course. Um, you know, Max didn't come to the student scene, but he was always kind of there, you know. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I think was, a, lot of, um, a lot of them worked at, um, at Club Bass all summer as well, didn't they? And yeah. I think that, yeah. that was certainly my, as soon as, once I started like improving and stuff, the, I think one of the main reasons I did is because I had like a solid crew of like three or four of us that were just like, yeah. just like, yeah, oh, yeah. you're doing it, you're doing it, you're doing it, you're doing it. And it, uh, it, yeah. it does just push you. Because I think if you try and do it by yourself, you, it, it doesn't work as well, I don't think. No, exactly. Like you're dead right there. Like I had it. Um, so at university, I started a windsurfing club in my second year because I didn't have one at Portsmouth Uni. Right. And I was like, I can't deal with this. I want to find out if there's windsurfers here, people who are keen to go windsurfing together with me, you know? Yeah. And it was brilliant. Instantly, we got 120 members and it was absolutely fantastic. And then I got like a core crew of people in Portsmouth. You know, there was Chris Cunningham, uh, Tim Cowan, um, uh, Nick Creek, a few guys, you know, who were super keen. And, and you know, I went with um, this guy, Chris Cunningham, to, you know, uh, a few of the SWA events. He loved it. And we were not far from Southampton, so we kind of crashed there a couple of times. And I was yeah, just thinking yeah. quad fonts with the Southampton crew and <laughs> then attempting to windsurf the next day. And <laughs> the same day by the time you got home, so... No, it was um, it was a good time, and then yeah, from that crew, you know, you have your your crew at like I had at Portsmouth Uni, and then we would go to these events, and then there would be like the student crew, and yeah, was, yeah, yeah everyone, like Albert, everyone just yeah. comes together, don't they? Exactly, yeah. There was some really, there were some really talented guys, you know, and then you know, of course, there were the guys who didn't come to that, who would go to the UKWA, and actually, many of those were people, you know, from going to Bass. Yeah, uh, we were working at that, and it was almost like a a, a separate scene, almost. Yeah, but it was super cool because the the vast scene is like, you know, the level you, you guys are always pushing. You kind of push it a bit behind closed doors in your vast, like in that vast scene, and then yeah, suddenly yeah. you come out. It's like, whoa, sick! They're doing this. When could they do that? Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. There was a season not so long ago. I think like two or three years ago. Suddenly, everyone like stepped it up, and it was it was sick. It was just like, whoa, okay. There's a load of guys who could really start competing, and yeah, um, yeah. I think it was it was a cool time. So, it, yeah, it was a really cool time around that that time. There was a lot of events, and then, um, yeah, then it just faded away. Like there was yeah. the Paul Winfest, and then the Paul Winfest stopped, and that was kind of it. You know, that was the point where. Sort of Is that where you so so when when did you go from like that kind of level to then suddenly like did you suddenly just find yourself like being sponsored internationally and like doing the PWA events or was it like a more was it a much more gradual process at what point at what point were you like oh fuck I think I'm a I think I'm a pro windsurfer now yeah. as as much as anyone anyone can call themselves a pro windsurfer if you know what I mean but yeah I mean it's um it's a virtue of your own sort of doing 
I think, to be yeah. a professional windsurfer. You've got to, work. you've got to like, you've got to work hard. Yeah, you've got yeah, to work yeah. so hard at it. And, and it's not just um, putting your body on the line for a lot of moves and learning the latest stuff. And, you know, sometimes just going like, okay, I've got to step up a level. And the only way to do this is literally to dive into the unknown in this move. Yeah. And, and everyone's been there from, if you just air jive you know it's the same feeling uh, going for your first air jive it's the same feeling as as it is or your first flacker maybe like this is kind of groundbreaking terrifying exactly yeah and going for your first flacker it's the same feeling as going for your first air tattoo yeah yeah it's literally the same and and there are points where you just gotta go for it and i mean anyway like i don't know i think the the moment where I felt like I was kind of turning professional was I, I wanted to do the world tour for one or two years. Like as soon as I finished uni right. and I was like, okay, like I'll take a year out, you know, yeah, yeah. A gap after uni. And Try and thought, okay, I'm gonna, yeah. I'm going to travel and go to these places that I've seen, like all these guys go to Brazil and stuff like this. I went to Brazil and I learned a lot there. And at that point I was like, okay, like I can, Dunk the sail now, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm a professional windsurf. I can dunk the sail now. <laughs> yeah. that is that is the case, though, isn't it? You know, yeah, a lot of people. Um, yeah. So, and 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 also, that's the kind of a point where I started enjoying filming more and wanted to make more yeah. stuff. Okay. Um, so, yeah, yeah. I mean, so you've, you've always that. you've always been like uh, up there with like in terms of in terms of the filming and and all that stuff like even even before you did it like you know obviously now you pretty much do that as a as a job but even when you were a pro you were always putting out kind of a lot more edits than than other people and stuff do you think that helped you in terms of like longevity for your career as a pro and stuff do you think like sponsors for example would probably looked at that and went oh yeah this guy's getting views and like in this yeah. age of it's not all about being number one, is it? You know, you have to have you have to have a social media presence. You have to have content to be putting out. You were you were quite early on that ball, weren't you? Um, why why did you yeah. start doing that? Where did that come from? Yeah, I mean, I got um, I definitely had my inspirations, but there's an easy answer to it as well. The easy answer is that it's um, it's compensating. Yeah, for <laughs> compensating sure. for lack of results. Oh, <laughs> so yeah. I was, yeah, I, I was like, okay, you know, like, shit, my results are not really, like, you know, getting what I want. There was, you know, on the national scene, actually, I was pretty happy with what I was getting. And, yeah. You know, I started to get a couple of national titles. There was a couple of, you know, um, a couple of titles I got where I felt they were, like, the genuine ones, you know, the ones that, yeah. were, that felt good to get. Uh, there was one which was, like, okay, that was kind of, like, luck or, or like just dedication to going to events you know that didn't really feel right no um, that was really like there was one in particular UK, UK, UK champion is UK champion isn't it mate whether like like you yeah. said the best one wins on the day mate if you if you doesn't matter how many events you go to if you go and pump onto the plane and do a grubby and the other person can't mate you win you know <laughs> um, yeah I don't know yeah I mean yeah that's it but like the the video stuff, like the, you know, in the end, I thought partly it's the compensating work, but I found I enjoyed making it, you know, I really enjoyed creating the videos. And if I look back and I can remember to this day, like basically the first one that I thought was, was good. And I remember going, like putting this footage together, going on like Windows Media Player and yeah, yeah, yeah. every second clip, I put a new effect on it. 
Oh, did you? But I took all the effects and everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like rainbows going through it and shit. And it was yeah, a, yeah. Yeah, I thought it was a good one. But yeah, and then from there I was like, and I started filming a bit more and more. And then Brazil, I was like, okay, I'll take it a bit more serious. I got a camera that was able to shoot crazy slow frame rates, but in like the lowest of qualities, but it was right. like this super slow motion and it was kind of like cool to watch on the computer with like the eye like super close to the screen, you know? And, um, <laughs> yeah, exactly, like one pixel moving at a time. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. It was also around that time that um, Andre Peskovsky was like super in- inspirational. Oh, with okay, cool, yeah, yeah. Yeah, with, um, uh, with Goito, so... And I was I was growing up watching or growing up, and my my career was growing off watching those edits and being super inspired by those. Nice. And it was everything. It was everything from um, the level of windsurfing that I aspired to, and also yeah. the level of producing content. And it was um, it was definitely that that was the most inspirational thing for me was Andre Pesovsky. Oh man, I mean, like I I I never met him or anything like that. But a lot of my a lot of my I've got a lot of friends that. Um, that, that knew him quite well. Obviously, a lot of our friends, you know, Max, Ollie, all those guys. For those of you that don't know, Andre Puskowski was a, a professional windsurfer. Um, one of the real, like, fathers of, like, modern freestyle, I think. Like, you know, and then he started making all these amazing films. Yeah. And, stuff. and they, they started like me as well. I remember watching Four Dimensions on my first season. Someone had got a copy of it. And I watched the freestyle section and I was like, I don't know, I don't even... I was like... The best just, thing like, I've ever seen. <laughs> Dude, I was like learning to water start and getting the foot straps. And I watched this and I was like, this isn't windsurfing. Like windsurfing, you yeah. just go up and down and, and do that yeah, a lot. Yeah. I was yeah, like, man. <laughs> yeah, and I watched this and I was like, this is the sickest thing I've ever seen in my life. And then yeah. and then obviously each film after that, I you know, when I was learning to Vulcan, Minds Wide Open came out. And then mm. when I was doing Flackers, Below the Surface came out. Oh, rewarded, rewarded. I still watch to get hyped to go windsurfing. Like, so but for me, I think two for ten is the one that's yeah. been like groundbreaking. This is yeah. so sick. Is and I can watch that every day of the week. It's like it's like in um in surfing, I can watch View from a Blue Moon. Yeah, like, every day of the week at two yeah. for ten. I can watch every day as well. I like so. um st- stacked. I prefer stacked. Stacked is my yeah. Andre does that yeah. that air flacker that is like the biggest, biggest air flacker I've ever <laughs> seen in my life, mate. That thing, I, I just it just reminded me. So I remember watching that, and then literally watching it in Florida, and then the same evening going out uh, on the water. No one had been out all day. It was like fifty knots or something, and I was on my like four four because I was holding onto this sail. Yeah, uh, four two at the time. I go for like this big air flacker, thinking I'm going to be like Andre. Last <laughs> hits me in the air. I go head first into the sail. The next thing I know, I literally knocked like somehow knocked myself out for a little oh man like a small moment not a long time a small moment and um and the next thing i know i'm floating and the sail is completely around my neck so i oh, come through come back up and you're and in around it. my neck and i'd like whiplash pain oh. for like days afterwards all down my chest and my neck robo neck <laughs> yeah it was, that was mental but it was that was a good movie yeah definitely so oh, man. i have to watch that one it's still, still, still all that stuff inspires me. So, I mean, for, for you, like, obviously, you know, getting inspired by this and going, going into the videos and, and all that stuff, do you find, like you, like you said, with, like, the compensating and stuff like that, obviously, it's a lot of fun and things. Did you, did you find, like, did you get 
a lot of times when you were really frustrated about competition results or did you try and just let it kind of wash over you a bit and go, um, you know, I'm still living the dream. I'm still having a good time. Or did you find yourself getting pretty low about, about that? Cause you never, you never had like mega bad results and things, but like what, what, how did that manifest in your brain? Yeah. I mean, I mean, maybe the bad results have been missed then, but <laughs> I've definitely had some bad ones for sure. And yeah, you know, uh, there was a lot of frustration because I was never making like the top 16. And for me, I really wanted to, uh, you know, at least get into the top 16. There oh. was one or two events where I, I, I think I made that, but um, there was like, you know, I wish there was kind of this whole vlogging style sort of thing, at, like back when I started competing in the world tour, because I'd love to look back at how, you know, how I was competing and like how I was reacting afterwards and stuff like this, because I think like I was pretty, I wouldn't say emotional, but yeah, maybe I was like, I was getting pretty um, emotional about it after some of the events. I remember in um, Fuerto when we had like these, you know, like the shipping containers uh, with your gear instead of the tent for a while. Yeah. yeah. And I remember coming off the water once, taking my harness and launching it to the back of the container. Oh. I would, I was, man, I was like furious about this. You know, it was, I, I started to get this thing in my head that my heats were being counted, even though I was not able to like get planing and stuff. And then people were telling me like, take a bigger sail. And I was like, the other guy's on the same sail, you know? Yeah, it's yeah. Not, and then I was starting to think like, maybe it's my skill level, but then I go sailing, free sailing, and I'm planing like first and doing double kilos when like, yeah. someone can't even like do a spot. So, you know, I'm not like trying to shout out about myself, but I was, I was confident that I could get planing. Yeah. So then that builds up, you know, after losing a heat and then you have it again and again, you look back at like Austria where it happened and then you look back at like, uh, an EFPT event or another event there and it's like they start to build up and you're like why like why do my heats count and then when I have to go up like and say something about it like I only got playing two times you know <laughs> why, why, why is it counting yeah at some point you start thinking like you know well you want your harness in the back of the container yeah. and you know, <laughs> drink a few beers in the car first. Yeah, well, it's hard, it's hard, isn't it? You do you do start thinking like the, the whole world's against you and stuff. And I think it's it's quite easy, especially you know with competition. I mean, I'm 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 really like uncompetitive and stuff. But I mean, I've seen you windsurf, and anyone who has seen you windsurf can attest like your your levels definitely there. But I think mm. I think a lot of it is down to like what's what's going on in your head up here, isn't it? You know, like that's the kind of ironic thing. It's like people have said that to me, and I've even thought about like you know speaking to like a mental coach because people kind of suggested it to me and yeah. i was like but hang on a minute i'm not in the heat feeling nervous i'm not thinking about anything the only thing i'm confused about is like just before i hit the ramp should i be going for this move or this move uh, That's something i never do when i'm free sailing when i'm free sailing i know from 50 meters away i know what i'm doing and yeah. i've already done you know yeah, i've done yeah. that move in my head and I'm planing out of it and then I land basically how I've imagined it yeah but in competition I approach that ramp and I'm like last second it's like super ah. vertical it's about to break and I, like, I'm like what <laughs> yeah yeah so it's 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 potentially like it's like indecision almost that's like kind of crippling you a little bit of like should I go okay. should I go switch should I do this should I go downwind more should I do that and then I mean I've I, I get that just free sailing you know I duck the sail and I'm like 
should I do do this? Should I <laughs> should I do this? And then and then I end up just tacking, and it really like you know fucks you off, doesn't it? You know, or you, or you try to duck the sail whilst you're stepping switch or something like this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because you're like, oh, there's a bit of chop there. Oh, so it, it yeah. must, you know, it must be, it must be really frustrating as well, knowing that you, the indecisional times by ten when you know you've got you've got seven minutes basically. You've got seven. Yeah, I mean, to your in the end, it's like, in the end, as I say, you know, the best person wins for sure. And so you know, I, I was never going to win that heat anyway. So it was yeah. like, that happened because it happens. And, um, you know, from that, I started to learn, like, just relax more and, you know, go for the moves that you like. And I started doing that. And then the last couple of minutes will be the time when I start to think, okay, I've done the moves I like. I landed them good because I enjoy doing those moves. Yeah, yeah. And then I need to put in, like, just just one or two moves that's all yeah. of, of moves that I don't really feel... I have to do, or no, I don't really uh, feel I like, but I know I have to do. Yeah, yeah. And that started to work a little bit. And actually, before I um, had these injuries and stuff, like more recent injuries, I I was having a really good season um, on the EFBT. And it was about to, like, it was last season, yeah. And then it was about to go into the uh, World Tour, and then I destroyed my ankle. But I was actually having, for me, what I felt like was my best season. So... Yeah. Um, and that was probably also part of just like things are working out with the film production side. And, you know, I just felt more yeah. independent. And things like yeah. That, so. I think a lot of, you know, a lot of this stuff, you know, as I said, you've got seven minutes on the water to like show your stuff. But I think a lot of that preparation comes from how you're feeling and how you're doing off the water. I reckon. I mean, I always, I always have a better windsurf when I'm in a good, a good place in my life. Like if I'm already having a good day, in yeah. my head or at work, anything, and then I go windsurfing, I usually have a good windsurf. But if I'm yeah. if I'm going windsurfing, say I've had a bad day, say like, you know, I'm feeling feeling a bit low or I've had a bad day with work or something, and then I go windsurfing, usually I take that frustration onto the water with me. And yeah. that doesn't that doesn't usually end well either, does it? You know? That usually uh, ends I well. mean that is totally correct. But do you know what I do with that is something I've done for years is um it's exactly the same. Like when I have a, when I'm feeling good and everything's going all right, yeah. I have good sessions, you know, and, and I can think of so many sessions that are just all time in my head. And yeah. I just wish to have that again, you know, Yeah. but every, your emotions and your, your psychological being is never like the same. And obviously some days you're frustrated. Yeah. And things are not working out. And actually that was often after competition for me. Yeah. And so I would use that feeling to try moves. I would not really have the balls to try when I was just, everything was comfortable. Right. You know? And then you've done that, that first kind of like over the hill feeling, you know, where it's like, Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. so, um, so I would use those times to just basically send and then all the other times to work on the moves that I knew. Yeah. yeah. So you almost use, Use like if you're already feeling uncomfortable and down, you're like, well, fuck it, I might as well kind of do that on the water a little bit as well, basically, right? And then, then yeah. afterwards, you've got your you've got your your good session, and you've already, you know, like like we said, like trying your first trying your first freestyle moves, like it's always terrifying and scary. So if you can do that while you're, you know, almost yeah. a bit of a coping mechanism, and then you, I guess you don't feel like you wouldn't feel down about this. You'd come out of it and go, oh well, I tried my first whatever today you know yeah, yeah. 
even that, like getting getting over the hurdle of trying a new move is like such an accomplishment. Even if you don't even get close to landing it, just like yeah. trying one. Yeah. Like like when, no, when, I was in, when I was in Fuerte last summer and I was like, I quizzed you for a load of tips on a move. And like yeah. I went out and I, I tried a couple before in, in Cape Town and stuff. And I was like, oh, in the first two days, I didn't really try them because I was just, I don't know, not in my head. And then I chatted to you about them and you were like, do this, this and this. And I did it. And two, like, luckily for me, two days later, I landed one. But like, like I... I, think I should be a coach, Sandy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Only if, you don't, only if you don't charge me for more tips, mate. But, <laughs> but yeah, getting, getting over that, that first attempt almost felt yeah. better than the one I landed. Because afterwards, yeah, yeah. I was like, ooh... Do you know what yeah. I mean? You're really, really yeah. stoked about it. Um, yeah, no, no, exactly. Like it describes it perfectly. It's, and it's such a good feeling. I mean, that's that's the addictive feeling of windsurfing. And also because there's so many different moves, is you keep coming back to try the next one and the next one. And then the level's always being pushed. So it's like, well, I can't stop. Yeah, I haven't done that move, you know? <laughs> well, yeah, I've done this move. Now I've got to do another one straight after it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've got to do it again. For me, it's the shifty that's haunting me. I've tried... I've tried one in Vass and I didn't even really try it. I just wanted to try it to say I've done it. And other than that, I've not done it. We've had some amazing days to try them and I should do it. But you do, like, do you have, like, each of us in Vass, we always had, like, mental blocks. But all of us had a mental block on a, on a different move. Like, do you guys yeah. find, in, for you guys on, like, the pro circuit, do you guys have that as well? Do some people? Yeah, it's a, yeah I mean, the shifty for me is just haunting me. It's like, it's not really a mental, I mean, it is a mental block because... I, I tried the move quite a few times. I, I did pretty much land it like a, a wet, you know, but I wouldn't really say I ever landed it properly. Yeah. And and I did that years ago, like straight after Val's, you know, released the video of doing it in, um, in Cape Town. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I remember it was it was exactly that moment after a heat in Austria. I was completely pissed off and I was like, all right, I'm going to just go for it. That yeah. was it. You know, I, I basically did it then. And I was like, I've done it. And then, like and then I started trying it in the summer in Fuerte and I was eating shit and then <laughs> I just decided to stop I was like I'm not going to land this and all I'm doing is destroying myself yeah, you so I stopped for a while and then, and then um, in Cape Town I was like right I'm going to go for it again let's, yeah. let's get this new dialed in over the winter for the for the next season yeah and, and it was that day where I was like right I'm going to do this I've been to the lake had a good session let's go to KFC send it i pull up at kfc and within the space of 10 minutes i see uh yentl k steven van brockhoven and bowels muller all come in either destroyed their gear coughing up blood or literally can't walk up the beach yeah and i was like and now i want to go and try a shifty or <laughs> you've got to you've got to weigh it up haven't you you've got to get to the point where you're like realistically it like is it is it worth it mate? is it worth it I think I was I was in Cape Town at that point as well. I remember everyone putting up that thing about Stephen like coughing up blood and all this stuff. Like, but then again, I guess you look at surfing and these guys getting like pounded and held down on a reef and all this stuff, and then yeah. they're like, "Yeah, I'm going back out for more." So I suppose it's yeah. kind of windsurf or well, freestyle windsurfing's equivalent, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, I mean, but any big move is kind of for you know anyone who has a mental block on a move. For many, it's like the forward loop, and just having that mental block is. You know, or a flacker. If you've had that flacker attempt before you've landed it, where you've kicked the board around and your back foot's come out and your front foot stayed in, yeah, yeah. you're going to have that mental block for such a long time. <laughs> and, yeah. and it's it's, uh, it's the same for the first forward loop. You know, 
you could build up a block forever and ever about it. It's like trying to jump off like the next level of the diving board in the swimming pool. Yeah. It's like well, it's you, you walk up to the yeah. <laughs> It's the same. It's the same. It's the same in any sport, isn't it? Trying to learn that that next new skill, whether it's like golf and there's like the seventeenth hole on your course, you haven't ever been able to, you know, haven't yeah. been, I don't I don't know any golf. Oh, okay. Score a goal or land a like it on par. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, make it make it on par exactly. You know, yeah. so it's yeah. the same in every sport. But it's it's really cool to know that I guess, or for any other windsurfers to know that, like even even like people guys at the top of the sport still have that thing in their head going, uh, I don't want to do this. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> but pretty much, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's you know, there's always sessions where you're like, right, that's it. I'm just going to go and. You kind of just go for it. And I remember with the first, like, uh, no, I don't want to start putting out names. Like, oh, don't do that. <laughs> no, I mean, I just, I just know that, like, with, you know, some bigger moves, I've, yeah, at some point you're like, I'm going to take that leap off the top diving board. Yeah. You know, into the unknown and just go for it. That's usually, for me, that's always been after, like, competition. After, well, after being frustrated, I guess. Yeah. yeah that's interesting because yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm very much the opposite. Like, on my... I only ever really try like something new or like really throw myself into something if I'm feeling like super positive and super like mm. say I've just had like Fuerta. That Fuerta was like the best week of windsurfing I've ever had. So that was I had those couple first few days and I was like I was pumped. And I was like this yeah. is this is epic. And then I was like right now I'm ready to to like step step this up because I felt so positive about it. So that's interesting yeah. that you almost do the opposite, I guess, where you're like frustration almost makes you sail sail better and push it more yeah i mean it, it helps it, i don't i wouldn't say it makes me sail better but it just makes me go for the moves that i kind of felt more yeah. held back on and yeah, there's yeah. other things you know that have frustrated me in the past you know relationship things stuff like this that oh, are not yeah. going well and then you're like all right fuck it i'm gonna <laughs> yeah, well, like, like, like i said all these frustrations tend to start off the water mate um, yeah. so, I mean, you you mentioned you mentioned a couple of times like um, you know injury you know hurting yourself and stuff. I don't think I know any other windsurfer that has hurt themselves as much as you. Um, so I mean, take us take take me through the list, mate. Take me through the list of the injuries, how it started, and then we'll get on to um, like you had a really serious injury a couple of years ago, and we'll we'll chat about that a little bit. But give me hit me with the list first if you know it. Maybe you shouldn't take my advice on going for stuff after. Yeah, being probably not. Mate. Probably not. Yeah. <laughs> Um, no, man. I mean, it starts in the windsurfing side of it. It starts the first time I was having a wave session. Right. Uh, a wave session. Uh, like, kind of first time at the ocean jumping. Right. And uh, and I go off a, a kicker at high tide at Hailing Island. I had no idea why I was out there at that time, but uh, I go off a little like kicker, I jump, and I come down, like, and the, the water appears like this little kind of diamond chop appears a lot yeah, earlier. Yeah. Than I expected, and my knee. I remember looking down for the landing and seeing my knee go like thirty degrees the wrong way, and oh. then come back. You know, oh. and then two seconds later, like it felt about two seconds. Yeah, like I'd seen it, and then I was in the water, and then the pain, and I was screaming. And that was the first time I had like any major injury um, from windsurfing, and I had to like drag myself up the beach. The gear pinning me like under the sail, you know, from yeah, the yeah. waves over the sail, pinning me under, holding me down till it releases and goes back out, draining up a bit more, pinned down like that, and then to hospital and 
that resulted in like three months off the water and then another three months kind of like taking it easy. Yeah. But that was a time where I was not like super, you know, into going windsurfing all the time every day, but it was a little bit frustrating. And then, um, but maybe it was good for my degree. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you actually did some work. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then it was a bit of time before anything else. I had a few things in Egypt, um, sliced my head open, actually wakeboarding the first time I'm wakeboarding. Uh, I went for a rally on the first run because I saw this instructor doing it. I was like, oh, I could do that. Try it. Straight, straight scorpion like that. Yeah, Walked yeah. Him over my head and hit me oh. in the head. Yeah, that was a good one. And then, um, yeah, various broken toes and fingers, um, sprained ankles. I had a really bad one in Fuerte where I, I um, went for a push loop and the, the one before, the run before I'd landed, I landed, like pretty nice. I was pretty happy with it. But I was like, I could do this like a little bit faster into it. I go fast and the wave is a tiny bit more rounded, a bit smaller. Yeah. And um, I end up just catching the nose. So I was going really fast into it already. Yeah. So then you catch the nose at high speed as you come round. Yeah. Um, I went into the boom and like, uh, just above the hip, like it kind of hit the, the hip bone yeah, and yeah. then rolled over it and, and pushed into my abdomen. Oh, shit. Um, and it was the craziest thing. It was nothing, there was no injury on the outside. Yeah. I just couldn't walk. Like I couldn't lift my left leg. I could, like not even a centimeter, you know. I could, yeah. I could, on the beat and then the leg and then this, like that. And fortunately, Marco Vedler was there and he literally picks me up from the middle of like between center one and center two. It carries me all the way across, puts me in a car. They take me to the clinic. And um, yeah, I mean, I couldn't walk for like two weeks. They gave me like a triple shot of Valium and right. like knocked you out. Maybe high for a, a couple of hours, which is pretty nice. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then um, Working my way up, there at that. I have ribs. I've cracked the ribs like three or four times. Um, I cracked two at one point, um, just at once, and that's actually stuck with me. I get pain often, um, yeah. just here on my left ribs. There, um, almost every day, I get like a, a little pain the there. Twins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like something triggers it, and um, that's been pretty painful. Um, shoulder, I've had like a couple of times just in slings for a while. Um, elbow, fingers. I broke the finger in um, Fuerta. Right. I then competed in Lanzarote with my fingers like taped together. Hey, really? Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, actually, it was the only event that Lanzarote's had where there's been no win. Oh. Uh, and it was just towing. So I did towing with like uh, these two fingers on the bar. Yeah. Like oh, and then just one handed like funnels, you know? Yeah. And then I was like pointing with like a cast around like my hand. Like. <laughs> my strong hand <laughs> yeah, I know like I don't know T-Rex style yeah yeah and then um, if I move up like the neck and the head I mean man, I can't tell you how many times I've had whiplashes and the head, yeah, yeah. head hit so the big the big one what was the the big one was your neck wasn't it when did when did that happen talk me through it I mean I saw there was like interviews on websites with you about it after the surgery but what what happened with that because this this was pretty serious wasn't it so what yeah, I mean, it was, um, my spine was, it was C5 and C6 have a, like a severe disc prolapse. Right. So like the, is essentially the, the easy term to know is it's a slip disc, but yeah, yeah. it was more severe. Um, the, the disc had gone into the spinal cord 
so that um, your spinal cord runs up the, the gap between each spinal column, like up the spinal column uh-huh. between each vertebrae. There's a little like hole and it runs up this gap and um, it kind of floats there. It doesn't really touch the size of this. Yeah. And what happened on this particular um, disc, it pushed out uh, and squeezed the spinal cord and pushed it against the side. And there was like basically like the X-ray showed like a millimeter of space where the spinal cord was going through. Where normally you have like you know about eight, uh, 0.8 of a centimeter. You know, like that sort of space normally about a centimeter. Yeah. Um, there and um, and off to the left, it like basically closed the whole thing. So each vertebrae you have, um, you have like nerves that go out each vertebrae to a different part of your body. Right. And at this particular place, it went out and it, it's um, controlling or sending the feeling down your uh, index finger and your middle finger and your left hand. Yeah. And, and at, this, like, at that point, um, in the beginning, I had this shoulder pain, like the craziest pain. I couldn't get out of my own wetsuit. Like, I was a Lloyd speaker after surfing at some point, and he literally had to peel me out of my wetsuit yeah. And drive me home. I couldn't change the gear. I was like, I was stuck with my head left, you know, and it was it was stuck like this for weeks. And um, I I was flying home anyway to the UK. Um, actually, I mean, if I go back, the story about how it happened was um, in Cape Town, and I I was it was a big session. It was like fifty knots, and it was only Bowles and I really going out. And uh, ben Proper was filming for windsurfing TV. We were pretty motivated. I was actually like pretty psyched for the conditions. Yeah, yeah. Amazing ramps in front of Doodles, and right. they were like I, I, Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and the, the waves they were big, like, and they were holding up. You know, Doodles they they hold up for a long time. Yeah, and yeah. Then you could go up and down wind, you know, 10, 15 meters, and find the point where the lips kind of like just about to break, and where you can take off. Know. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I had like a few big jumps, a few bailouts, a few push loops and um, a couple of too late hits and, you know, getting a bit destroyed, but not any crazy, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, but just a lot of pressure on the, on the arms and, and, and falls from high, you know, or flat onto my back and stuff like yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I come off that session, it's like, that's the first time I had like pain in my shoulder. So I was I'm convinced it would like kind of I pulled a muscle because I'd done exactly this before and it was the same to the pain. Um, yeah. And then, it, then I was like, okay, I'm just going to stop. Actually, like I know it's it, something's wrong, so I'll stop for a bit. And then over a couple of days, it actually kind of fades away a little bit. And then I go down south with Ben to shoot some stuff down the K Point. Yeah, have a session at Scarborough, and um, the pain returns again after this session. And then you know, a few days later, it disappears, and then it comes back after this surfing session. Um, with the guys who are staying with at my place, and they they had to help me after that. From that point onwards, you know, for the next week, I can. Your shoulder, you my, just. I can pat my own bags. I can lift my arm. I had to. I had to rest my arm on top of my head. At really? least, like, like for a week, basically. I mean, yeah. even longer. The flight home. You wow. know, I, I tried to get like some kind of space next to me, and they were like, "Oh yeah, we're going to give you um, two seats for the flight yeah. home." I sit down. And within a few minutes, a lady comes down, sits next to me, and I'm like, okay, what happened to my two seats? Yeah. <laughs> so that whole flight home, I had to sit my arm on my head because I was so worried she was going to like hit it. And, oh, um, and I get to the UK and they tell me, oh, yeah, come back to us in four weeks. It's just a strange muscle. 
And I was like, yeah. this is, there's something more to this. Like, can you just do a scan or something? Like, no, it's not urgent, you know? Um, and I was hey. like, okay. And then um, just kind of a bit by luck, um, Alina, who I'd actually met you know, for the first time in Cape Town that season, now, you know, we're together for a while. Um, and I was meeting her. She flew to the UK. I was meeting her and we were going out to Germany. That was our plan. So we stuck with them. We went to Germany and there they knew some specialists. Right. And they had a look, got some scans at the FC Bayern Munich Football Club. And um, it was all like suddenly, okay, they're taking it serious. And yeah. they found out that there was this prolapse disc and it was really severe. And they basically said to me, don't move. Like, like just stay as still as you can until yeah. you're in surgery. And, and then they did the surgery. They, they took the disc out. They put basically a small piece of Lego in, in I- as a replacement for the disc. Yeah, yeah. Go in from the front, and they 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 put a clamp in to pull your esophagus uh, to the side, Fuck. and um, the the artery that goes down, you know, the yeah. one that feeds them, yeah, this yeah. one, they have to be so careful with. Yeah, they are there because if they, if you that, uh, that's it, you're gone, aren't you? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you're in the place where they're gonna try and fix it, but yeah, of knows, course, of course, but your chances go down, yeah. <laughs> and they pull that aside. But yeah. also they have two uh, vocal cords there, so they pull those aside. And they tell you before you might come out of the surgery and have the voice of like some like seventy-year-old uh, man is drinking whiskey and smoking all his life. You know? And you're like, oh, yeah, for how long? And they're like, oh, forever. Oh man! Because like, oh. <laughs> if they break one of the vocal cords, then you have like just one that works. Well, it yeah, might, yeah. You know? So I go from the front, and then they take the disc out from the front. They put the the piece of Lego in, okay. inject some, you know, uh, fluid in that's supposed to make the bone kind of grow together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like I was a bit of a, a trial uh, for that because the guy had only done it a few times before and yeah. said it was only done in the US and he'd only done it a few times. Right. So they did that and then a, two days after, yeah. I was building up my van and no problems. I walked out of the hospital. I literally walked out of the hospital. We took the, the underground home. And That's serious, mate. And crazy. Did you get did you get it all done like privately and stuff then? Were you just like, let's get this sorted or Yeah, I mean it's something pretty serious. So I, I yeah, it was private, but I managed to claim it uh, through insurance and stuff. It was all pretty urgent and Yeah, for um, sure. You don't want to put privately back, Yeah. So yeah, so it was uh that was kind of the spine. And then, you know, after that, I had to rest, obviously, and not go windsurfing for a while, but it was, like, such good conditions in Tarifa, and I'd just been filming. And yeah. this was also the start of my filming career, yeah. where things turned professional in a sense of it wasn't so much making stuff with my sponsors anymore. It was, let's do stuff, you know. Yeah, hiring your services out. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. do, you feel like, so, do you feel like that, were you already kind of planning on that and that happening from, like, what we talked about earlier and you doing videos, or do you feel like that injury almost accelerated that side of your career? It was the switch. It was literally the switch. It was like I had time suddenly. I had time ahead of me, and I, and I wasn't able to go on the water. I wasn't able to get windsurfing. Um, you know, I just finished working uh, four years as an editor yeah. as an online editor and, and you know I had some savings and I was like a bit like after that I was like okay I'm going to take it kind of a year off and just kind of enjoy windsurfing again like 
Yeah, I'd enjoyed it the years before, but it was stressful. I was working like 12 hours, 16 hour days, you know, often. Monday to Friday to me, it was really busy. And I was lucky to get an hour session in, you know, if I was in Cape Town for that season. You know. Filming filming and stuff. No, no, because of the, the job I had with Boards of Boards Seeking. But oh, it was great. Yeah. The editing. Gave me the opportunity to travel. Yeah, it gave me the opportunity to travel. And then, so I was taking this year off. And then after this, it was like, okay, I'll keep going a bit. And then the, the, thing happened with the spine and then for me I was like well I wanted to start like a professional video production career yeah and this is it this is the moment so let's find some work and I kind of had a really nice opportunity with the uh, EFPT to kind of you know get some work that paid a little bit I mean it's not great but it, it worked and then um, uh, and you know I worked at it super hard I like I put everything into it because I knew this was the opportunity yeah, it was yeah. going to happen. It was going to happen off this. You needed to and, shoot um, and I worked like, you can't imagine, like 20 hours on yeah, each yeah. edit, sleeping four hours and then working 20 hours and, and creating these edits. Like, just fully passionate about it. And I enjoyed it. Like, okay, it was hard at times. And I'd get to like the third or fourth day. It was so crazy. But it was definitely, yeah, it was the... I do. It was the best. All the all the best all the best things are hard, like we said earlier. Even you know, like going back going mm. back to comparing windsurfing, like that feeling mm. when you've spent years or months or however long learning a move, and you finally do it, or you finally even just try it, and you're like that. You get that feeling. So I guess you you get that same feeling from completing that edit and and handing it over to your client or whatever, and they go, "Yep, this is this is fucking sick." Or you yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know in yourself, like, "Yeah, I've made this, and it's sick." Do you know what I mean? There's no. I think it's very easy for a lot of people to be like, you know, oh, you shouldn't, you shouldn't, you shouldn't claim your own work is good and stuff. But I'm a bit like, well, if you're making it, like a video, for example, if you've made it and you've, you know, you finished it and you've watched it four or five times at the end, and you're like, yeah, I reckon this is good. You're not going to suddenly go around <laughs> and be like, oh, nah, nah, yeah, it's it's all right. But I hope they like it. You're going to be like, fuck no, it's good. It's good because I made it. And yeah, I think I think everyone who makes like who produces videos, they will have you know one, two, three, four where they're just like, I'm stoked with that one, and yeah. even I can watch it again. You know, after editing, yeah. but if you've edited, anyone has edited. It's you man, hate the song, don't you? You fucking you hate, hate the song, and, and you probably hate the edit as well. Like, yeah, yeah. Not hate the edit, but you just hate watching that that footage again. Yeah, yeah. And, and but. There's some edits that I think any anyone that produces, they will go back to and they'll be really stoked about it. Yeah, yeah. Then they'll watch those to get inspired and carry on. So, yeah, yeah. it's... Uh, mm. And that's... And that, how has your, has your approach to... Obviously, now, you know, now you're, you're primarily doing the, doing the videography and all that stuff now. Has your approach to windsurfing and, like, competition changed since, since you had that surgery? Like, how, how has it changed that side of your life? Yeah, I mean, that goes kind of uh, a little bit full circle back to like the point saying earlier, and it, it ties in nicely with the fact that um, now I feel more independent like this uh, because of, you know, financially independent and stuff. You take a lot of stress off yourself where you yeah, for sure. don't need to, you don't, you know, you, you know, I have things tied up in, in things, but they don't bring anything. There's just, you know, investments into things like yeah, this. Yeah, you, you don't feel the pressure to, compete and yeah. do as well for sponsors and, and put all that stuff out because you've kind of that's almost become your side hustle now hasn't it you know yeah yeah and and all this pressure like just it just releases a bit because you just realize that actually if things don't work out 
it doesn't matter because actually things are working out in your career life in your yeah. professional kind of production career in my case and and you know so that pressure came off and then i just yeah i started feeling you know actually a lot better about everything and not really caring about how i was going to do in competition and that's when things started working out last year the, the start of last year in the, yeah, yeah. the EPT. yeah and then i destroyed my ankle <laughs> That was killer for me. That was so killer, man. So you you felt you felt like you started doing well because you kind of you had that you had that release. So I mean, in your in yeah. your head and things, do you think do you think that made it real really made a big difference? Like suddenly that weight's been lifted, so suddenly yeah. you're just enjoying it more, and then and then it all just yeah. it all just starts to work. I think there's a lot to be said there. Like it's so easy to put and and most of that pressure. I mean, I know it's difficult in the windsurf industry, and it is very competitive and. It's not you're not fighting for scraps, but there's not a huge amount to go around. So I mean, but a lot of that pressure probably came from yourself in the first place, didn't it? You know, you say you come off the water after a heat and you're like throwing your harness and that, you know, frustration. So because you know you've got the level to do it, but it doesn't necessarily work in those seven minutes. I, you know, a lot of that pressure. I think a lot of people can relate to this. It all comes from your own head, you know. Whereas if you know yeah. in your head, oh my videography, I'm smashing it, and then this is just a bit of fun. Suddenly. Yeah, exactly. No, no, exactly. Yeah, I mean, you put it on yourself, don't you? It, it, people, everyone has their own expectations of things. They want to do something, you know, well. And by nature, I'm obviously a competitive person because, you know, from my, my as young as I can remember, I was always competitive against my brothers. I've got three brothers, you know, yeah. so yeah, there you we go. were fighting for the scraps like you can't imagine and um, literally physically fighting. <laughs> and, um, but, you know, it's great. I mean, I, I really love having three brothers and it's, it's fantastic. But I've been competitive, you know, by nature. Yeah, of uh, course. And, and through my career. So, yeah, for sure I have expectations, things, goals I want to reach, and just certain things I want to reach. Once I reach it, it's like, that's it. It's cool. You yeah. Know? I'm stoked that. And uh, in in many ways, I'm super stoked about what I've achieved in, in freestyle wins, I think, so. Oh, dude, I think, you know, I, I mean, I, I, I can attest to it. I've seen you win, so like your, your level's definitely there with like, like we were talking about top 16, your level for sure is there. Um, but it's, you know, like we said, it's, I think it's so difficult. And some, some people are quite blessed with it. Some people can just string their heat together and like, like keep it cool, can't they? And just have this like complete yeah. game face in competition. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's it. I mean, some people just have routine. They're able to do it. They can do it in whatever conditions and, that's it. You know, maybe part of my issue is I I would prefer to go for a session in the six spot downwind for three hours than half an hour in the worst hell chop you can imagine. So, yeah, dude, I went. <laughs> that, I, that doesn't I went, help. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't even windsurf once at the competition spot. Everyone, when I got back, all the boys had asked me, "Did you sail the competition spot?" And I was like, "No, I was there for a week. I sailed at Ritko every day. Why would I want to go there? Everyone says it's shit." I enjoyed my life. <laughs> I was on holiday. They've improved, they've improved it a lot. They've moved the competition area downwind. But yeah, I mean, for me, actually, if I, I'm not disappointed with anything really because I know that I've enjoyed everything I've done and I've had such a good time. Yeah. What I've done. And I, I know going forwards I will as well. So, I think um, it's, well, it's, it's, all a bit of, it's all a bit of an... Like, like I said, it's almost... Your, your role's kind of reversed. Before you were the pro windsurfer at the top, and then the video videography was like fueling that, but now the videography's at the top of it, and your professional windsurfing is like 
side hustle slash like kind of you know you're allowed to live the lifestyle of a professional windsurfer without having the pressures of being one yeah i mean yeah i mean it's true it's true and actually you know it's 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 all about this pressure again it takes all the like it takes a lot of pressure off and, and yeah. you can improve in everything you know also in producing the the videos and stuff and you have more time if if you realize you don't have any pressure with the results then you have more time to make better videos as well so i get the event so everything kind of helps you know if that pressure's come off and um, yeah. you know with the the video production side i've always had a lot of fun uh producing the event edits for me each one every day i make the edit yeah, yeah it's like a it's like just creating a highlight of best moves and stuff like this it's the biggest thing i right? like just put together like if you're making one for yourself just to pull together all your best shots and things oh, like mate, this. it's awesome yeah yeah i mean and you know for, for me as a consumer of of like you know windsurfing videos and media like i watch them every day mate but you know um, and I, yeah, I really, I really appreciate it, mate. I like it. Um, yeah. <laughs> where do you, where do you know, like, but you, you do slightly different things. Obviously I said at the beginning when I, when I gave you that mega introduction, like you, you were kind of one of the founders of like the toe-in and all that sort of stuff. You know, you, you've got like a, you've got a winch, haven't you? Like I just watched your new video before we started this. Like you've been yeah. down a, down in a like shitty little river in the middle of the woods with a winch and you yeah. just <laughs> getting someone sitting on the winch and towing yourself in and you've made a nice edit out of it. Like, where where do you where do these ideas come from? Where do you like there's a lot, there's a lot of motivation to go and do that. Is the motivation to go and have fun or is the motivation to go and make an edit out there? Just to have fun is that's the funny thing, is like all the tone stuff. It's just yeah. been out of not having any wind. Yeah. Been, yeah. Like stuck yeah. landlocked a bit, finding a bit of water nearby and just having a bit of fun. And actually like the funny thing is is I've hardly trained towing. I've hardly done anything. Oh, no. But if I have trained it, maybe I've been stupid or wise enough, I don't know, it depends how you see it, to make a little video from it because I thought this is cool, it's something different, uh, it's fun, you know. And and that's half of what I do is like, I just want to create things just for the fun of it, like for me to look back on and be like, oh, yeah, that was a fun session. I remember doing that. Let's go and do that again. I think, I think that's that's a really big that's a really big part of like video production and even like social media for example like posting uh, I, I still post on my instagram quite my own instagram quite regularly even though i now do social media for a job and people are like don't you spend all day on it but one reason i like it is that in 10 years i can look back and go oh that that was sick that was sick that was, that was sick. exactly it is yeah. and if you you know you can look back in a couple of years and you can look back at your session on. Oh, do you remember when we took the winch to that river and put it under a yeah. bridge and towed us all into it and on like surfboards and sups and I went you know, windsurf and stuff. I think, yeah. I think that's a big part of like this whole vlogging, documenting your life. And a lot of people disagree with that style of doing it now. But I think a large part of it is it's going to be really cool to look back on. And if you, I'm, I'm kind of like, you know, I did a few years ago, I was like, I'm going to try the vlogging thing a bit, just see how it is and, and how much work it is and all of this. And if, if I enjoy it or not. Yeah. I created like five, six, seven of them. And whilst I was in Cape Town and I tell you, it was stressful. I didn't like, I lost the enjoyment of actually filming and producing and windsurfing a bit because I felt like I had to go to these different places and do different things yeah. just for it. And you know, whilst I was documenting, you know, my life kind of naturally a bit, there was also elements of it where I was like, well, I kind of need to go 
you know, let's go to this spot because it's a bit different or like this. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was only relative to spots, nothing else that, that I filmed at those points, but it was, everything else was yeah. real. But It stops the enjoyment of your day. Yeah, and, and then you spend like two or three days editing it and it's like, man, what is this ego <laughs> ego trip, you know? Well, that's, so it, it, wasn't, yeah. it wasn't natural, it wasn't fun and it, and like it, it, I mean, it was fun, but it was not, um, it, it made me lose the fun. Yeah. So now the way I see it is I, I create when and when I want to create, I just create like just out of the fun of doing it, you know, yeah, the Cape yeah. Verde edit that I made, this was just, let's just film when we want to film and not film when we don't want to film. Yeah. And then at the end, I'll just create what I've got. That's yeah. it. Yeah. There's no, nothing fake about it. And that's something for me that is really important. Like after that, uh, in Cape Town, when I did that kind of first trial of it, after that, I was like, you know what, I'm just going to keep it real from now on. And, yeah, yeah. And make sure that everything I do is is genuine because it's it, it didn't feel right what I was doing. Uh, and it, um, it comes across it doesn't come across as well. Like pe- people notice when you're not being genuine. You know, people yeah. people when you're trying too hard. So. Yeah, people can tell, I think. Do you think do you think you like going back to the video that you just put out and stuff, do you feel like since you're like since the injury we spoke about with with your back and your neck and stuff, have you got potentially a bit more appreciation for being able to do things with your body and like, you know, realizing in your head, like, fuck, actually, you know, there potentially is a time limit on all this. And you're like, I don't, I, you know, you, you want to be able to, you know, every day, like, yeah, let's get the winch and go windsurf and let's do this rather than like have a chill day on the sofa. Do you think, do you think that changed your outlook a little bit or do you think you've always just been pretty frothing to go and do stuff? There's a, I think there's a saying my dad uh, told me, and he never quite realised the impact it would have. Yeah. Um, we were just having like a kind of father-son chat, you know, just not anything deep and meaningful. But he he said to me, uh, "Yeah, do it whilst you can," and and that stuck in my head like you can't imagine. And I was like, you know, when I'm sixty or seventy, I can't do that stuff. Like I'm not gonna. I mean, maybe I can, but not in the same way. My body's not gonna be there. If I if I try to um, if I try to be like a marathon runner and pace it out, I'm I'm gonna get to you know 40, 50, 60, and be like, well, I haven't had those highlights because I'm trying to make sure I can do it for longer. Yeah. But yeah. Anyway, when I get to that point, it doesn't matter because I'm still stuff in the same level. Is, is not going to happen. So yeah, yeah. this kind of do it whilst you can attitude or, or saying really stuck with me. And, and um, yeah, now, like, the way I see it now after these injuries and stuff is do what you can, but with a little pinch of salt, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. So, like, I mean, I, it, I just... I do things that are fun, you know. I don't care what people think. If if they think it's stupid that I go do tone on on this river under a bridge, then whatever, cool. You know, they can think that they don't have to watch it. Like I just well, do I it because at the, I day, at the end of the day, like you probably had a funner day than them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Doing it, you yeah, know. We found a cool little spot that was not that hard to access, and yeah. it was. You know, a fun thing to do, and actually, the people I live with here, um, you know, my fiance with Alina, she's got a twin brother, yeah, and he's like, I think we're quite similar in a way where we 
so happy just to go out and do something different every day. Yeah, yeah. You know? and, um, and just, you know, let's one day we'll go do this towing stuff and then the next day, like, I don't know, he wants to go climbing or... Oh, sick. The day after, it's like, let's just go take the electric longboards and just cruise for wherever, <laughs> you know? And, and then they've got, like, the whole setup with the river surfing. And this yeah, is something yeah. I didn't expect to get into at all. And now suddenly I actually quite enjoy going river surfing. I can't wait till this lockdown's lifted so we can go again. And yeah, they've yeah. got like generator with floodlights and they can go. Yeah, yeah. I've seen, I've seen it on um, I've seen it on Weird Waves. Like Vans do this series Weird Waves on YouTube. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, mate. And he, yeah, he did, I mean, I've seen clips of like you and you and Alina on it anyway, but when he put it out and he was like chatting to all the locals and I was like, I, I did wonder. I was I wondered if you were because there's quite there's quite a bit of localism. I wondered if you were allowed to go and and surf and surf there. Fortunately, well, these guys are kind of the locals. I figured, yeah, I figured you had a way in, mate. I figured you had a way in. Yeah, I found um, my way. In. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's not so bad, but it's it's also not somewhere you want to try it. You know, no, for the that, first yeah. time, it looks hard, mate. It looks really hard. You go in and you're out, and actually, the locals don't mind too much because. You you try to surf it and you just end up straight out anyway. Like it yeah. doesn't matter. So you're there for like five seconds and then you're gone. So yeah. And and actually I had that phase, but we did it like I didn't want to be in the way. So then we did these like whenever they did these night sessions, I was like, okay, I'll come along then. Yeah, and yeah. The first the first time I surfed it was in my boxer shorts after a couple of beers on the in town <laughs> <laughs> at night time. <laughs> it was pretty funny. Yeah. No, I think it's fun. I think there's a there's a lot to be said for like you know that that kind of ethos that you have of like, but it's it's just a little bit like fuck it, isn't it? Like you got well, you, you know what is super important. This is the other side of it. It's super important to be professional. No, you know you need to be professional about things, and and certainly I take my my business now, out the media production stuff. I take this really professionally and seriously. Yeah, um, I certainly do, but you got to know where the fun is and everyone has fun. It doesn't matter who they are. Yeah. They still have that fun, but they just hide it. You know, they, they would just be like, oh, I'm going to have my fun behind closed doors, but and their suit, it, behind the scene. Yeah, exactly. So I think have your fun and, and people it's just, it's real, you know? Yeah. Well, I point. think that's the way that's, I mean, you know, like we, we've, we've chatted a little bit, you know, I went, I, I became self-employed um, in October, not doing like videography like you, I do um, sort of social media stuff. And I've, yeah. I've learned as well that like, it, it's really intimidating going into these meetings. And I'm sure you've had it as well, like presenting these edits and stuff. Your first few, you were probably mm-hmm. quite nervous doing it to clients and things. And, and I've, I've kind of learned that like everyone, everyone is a human and everyone has, has a family and everyone likes doing nice things and everyone likes going out for drinks with their mates and you know everyone likes a little joke as well exactly mate everyone and you know and 99.9 percent of the people i've had meetings with i've they've been really nice people and lovely and kind and warm and i'm like oh you're you're a human being and you just end up being at ease and i think a lot of people in these kind of professional space kind of forget that a little bit even even i'm sure for you in you know, mainly your your clients are all kind of, you know, extreme sports, windsurfing, kite surfing, that kind of thing. So relatively chilled industries, but there's still probably you're gonna bump into people that might be taking it quite serious. And as you said, for sure it's good to take things serious, but I think there's a fine line between taking it seriously and then coming across as a bit like standoffish, if you know what I mean. Yeah, exactly. I mean 
there's always people who take it too seriously and stuff like this. But, you know, in the end, like, as you say, everyone likes the fun, they like the jokes and stuff like this. But um, for me, I have kind of the ethos that if, if, someone, if someone says that line, they're like, oh, that's unprofessional. Yeah. You don't want to work with them anyway, man. Yeah, exactly. that, that's, <laughs> like, the, that's the nail on the head, mate. I think it's really yeah. important. Like, you... You've got, you've, got to, you've got to pick and choose, I think. I think it's important, especially if you know what you're doing is quality. You know, like your, your video production, if you know that you're going to deliver something good, you've got to mm. be sure that you're going to align with that person. I think it's really important. Yeah. Otherwise, otherwise, that does have a big detriment on your well-being and stuff. If you're like going uh, out... My, like my clients and stuff, they, I only have positive feedback and I, I can show every professional thing that I've done, which is a contractual thing and I can show, you know, where I've taken it professionally and produced high quality content. Yeah. And, yeah. Stoked with it. and I'll still have fun with them in the bar on Sunday evening after the event's over, you know. So exactly. exactly. And I think that's to me, that's what that's what life's all about. I think it you've got to find that balance of getting your work done and taking that serious and I think it's important to take things seriously and professionally and you should take pride yeah. in what you do. But I also think yeah. I also think it's really important, more, almost more important. Maybe that's why I'm not really, really rich. But it's more important to enjoy yourself and to have a good time. We'll see, we'll see. It comes. It comes. You know, like I found that you know my better clients have come from just you know actually having fun and meeting the, yeah, yeah. the you know, over a beer or something like this. Exactly. So, yeah, it's for, so, sure. for sure. Stuff like that. Stuff like that definitely is a good way to do it. Like just keep it real. Have have fun. Yeah, I think I think that's I think that's a really really important thing to take away. And obviously, you know, me and you are me and you have come. Well, you you especially have come come from the kind of windsurfing industry and all that stuff where it is super chilled. And I think to like I said in a previous podcast with my friend Ed, who you know as well, who works for Stance now. Yeah. You know, he works yeah. for a huge global company, and he said to me in the podcast, he was like, all the skills required for his job as like European wholesale events manager for a global company. He's like. I acquired all those skills from being a windsurfing instructor. <laughs> like he didn't, he didn't go to uni. He didn't do all this stuff. All of it came from him just learning to like talk to people and like yeah. making people feel comfortable, putting people in a situation where they're like, my well-being, my mental well-being, everything. They're like, I feel, I feel good with this person. I feel like we could, yeah. I feel like we could do work together and we can do this. You know. I totally agree. I mean, that's it. You got to just it. You just gotta be nice, approachable. You know, show you can be professional, be professional, but have fun. Absolutely, that's, that's it. So, and and communicate well. And you know, that's that's the thing about uni. That's the funny thing. Like, kind of touching on that point is you you don't need to go to university, not at all. And my youngest brother didn't. Um, my oldest brother didn't, and they're now running a really successful company yeah, together. I know. Um, my brother above me, he went to uni, became a, um, a sports scientist, and he's now training one of the Formula One drivers. Sick. So it, it works both ways, you know, but um, I would say uni's helpful if you want to go into like the traditional jobs. You know, yeah, yeah. If, you go, if, you do, if you're going into a field that's relevant for it. Um, but I mean, that's not taking anything away from uni. I think I think if you're... If you're not going to go and do seasons, then you should go. You know, go to uni. You need something, I think, in those formative years. Yeah. You know, between Definitely. eighteen and twenty-two, you need to be doing something like that. I think. 
Yeah, I think so. You develop a lot of skills as well. I mean, on the flip side, you know, I also learned a lot from uni and uni gave me the time to meet people um, who were important in my life and my uh, early career in what I did. Um, And that was definitely because of university. Maybe my degree has not been very useful, but everything aside from it has been. So, I mean, I did sports science. Oh, it's not not irrelevant. No, it's not irrelevant, but it's, it's... I mean, it's not been like super useful in a way. I mean, in a way it has as well, because I kind of, it tells me, you know, when too much is from my body and what I've done to my body and how to <laughs> fix it. And how I kind of know what to do a bit there. If I'm speaking to a physio or a doctor, I know what they're saying. Do you look after your body a lot more now? Like, do you find, do you know, do you stretch, do you stretch a lot? Do you work out a lot? Like, does that, has that side of it come into it more mm-hmm. as well from since the injury? Oh, everyone works out more now in the lockdown, though. <laughs> yeah, well, I was going to say, mate, we're not going to do it. It's all I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. No, I do definitely. I um, I mean, since I was four years old, I've been vegetarian. So yeah. uh, that was at first at a point like where I was just, I didn't like the, the meat we were served at school. And so, and I heard some kids say they're vegetarian on the table I was sitting at. So suddenly I was like, I'm vegetarian too. Yeah, yeah and, you get better uh, food, mate. You get better food. <laughs> exactly. So I ate much better food for, for quite a few years after. Yeah. And then at some point I found out, like actually when we started traveling at, at the age of eight, um, my parents took me out of school for a couple of years. We traveled on a boat, uh, went across the Atlantic and around the Caribbean and stuff like this. Nice. Uh, <laughs> and and this point uh we were fishing we caught a fish and then i see my dad like feeding oh, this really? fish like and um and and then i realized that where the fish comes from and then i asked where meat comes from and then at that point i was like yeah, i'm not eating fish anymore and i'm definitely staying vegetarian and uh yeah. it was just a decision i made at the same time as my youngest brother who was four at the time so he just going to the point where he could make his own decisions as well. Right. A bit. And my parents let us make us make our decisions from a young age. That was that's cool, cool, I think. I think that's cool. Yeah, and, and, and I stuck with that. And I've been ever since, you know, I can literally know more than that many times, you know, the number of fingers on my hands have yeah. I eaten meat since I was four years old. So, um, um, But then, yeah, more recently, I've actually pushed more towards a vegan lifestyle. Right. Uh, and so in the eating sense like that that's for you know a couple of reasons one is uh for sure the health aspects i i do truly believe that it is a lot healthier mm. um but also the you know the, the climate aspects as well you know that's become quite strong at the moment and i was so amazed to find out you know the stuff about you know the impacts meat eating has and even you know eating cheese and stuff like this is crazy and um you know, I, I'm also one of these people that's not going to preach. I'm not going to sit here and say you should become vegan. And yeah, yeah, of because of the, same with the climate stuff, I, I'm not going to preach to people. But I will take my own actions. And, and yeah. you know, my myself and my company are going to be full carbon neutral this year as well. So that's, that's something I've worked on. Um, you know, part of this, I, I'm creating a movie at the moment called As Far as We Can Too. Right. And part of this movie was going to Iceland to literally see. Like I wanted to see firsthand what I was going to uh, invest into to offset uh, what I'm doing as a as an individual on the planet, and there's quite a lot of flying I'm doing, 
Um, but I'm also at some events employing like seven people. Yeah. So uh, I'm offsetting all the thing, the carbon emissions as well. And, um, you know, I'm not here to preach as an eco activist or anything like this, but just I will do what I what impact I have and a bit more perhaps. For sure. Um, yeah. No. I yeah. Anyway, I mean, it, it it goes back to like. I do look after myself a lot more <laughs> and, and I feel like I need to take responsibility a lot more lately as well. So I started doing that. That's good. I think, that, I think that's a nice thing to do. I mean, I, I've not, I've not eaten dairy. I mean, I'm, I'm, the, I'm really awful at it. I always have a chocolate bar and stuff, but I don't eat, I don't eat, um, I haven't eaten dairy for like five years now. Um, more, more from like a health, a health perspective, like just doesn't sit well with me. And then, and then recently, I think I'd say, yeah, the last sort of few months, I don't, I don't really eat red meat anymore, but that's like one, like, cause it's, it's quite expensive and I'm just never that bothered by it. I always just eat, I always just used to eat chicken and tuna and stuff. And then I've just found myself going away from meat in general, but all of my mates, everyone I've chatted to, they're like, we're doing the same thing, but it like yeah. almost, almost accidentally. It's an, it's a really strange thing that seems to be happening at the moment is that. Yeah. I mean, it's people say it's a trend, but I mean, I hope people stick to it, but I've, I've seen, you know, actually quite a few of my friends have turned vegan now. Yeah. So I'm not surprised. Hey, some people have been the, the biggest advocates of eating meat you can imagine. And, and, and suddenly it's like, you know, they said like, they made all the jokes to me about, Oh, come on, you want some of this steak and stuff. And what, what's that? What's that cardboard you're putting on the, on the bride? Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, and, and now they're eating full vegan so it's it's funny but I, I you know that's up to them that's their decision I don't mind if they're eating meat but it's cool they go vegan and, you know I also think there's extreme vegan which is too far you uh, know? Well, nothing wrong with having a bit of cheese now and again come on yeah yeah I think I think it's very easy to take it a little bit too far and like like you said I find I find the preaching like fucking exhausting, to be honest. Yeah. And like, it, yeah. I think it put, it puts more people off than because mm. it it gets taken so far one way and it just becomes like, <laughs> overwhelming. You know, yeah, I mean, people need to make their own choices. They need to, you know, at the point where they want to, it's like smoking and giving up smoking. You can't force someone to really, ah. so they have to do it how they want to, and then they're gonna uh, find out the ways they want to. So exactly. You know, it, if you want to, you know, become vegan or you want to take your own actions, um, you know, for your carbon emissions and stuff like this, it's up to you. Like, I'm not going to sit here and be like, you have to do this and do that. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Yeah, it's, um, it's, yeah, when people sit there and repeat again and again, like, oh, you have to do this and that, it's like, come on. Like, Shut you know, yeah. you know, state, state the facts, sure, if you want. And leave it. Well, there. it. Uh, just show us what the what the facts are at the moment. And I, I'm a person that's strongly for facts. You know. I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm, and when I want to find them out, I'll find them out. Definitely, definitely. Um, so I mean, well, we t- touched on it a little bit there. So you're you're currently in you're in Munich at the moment, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're 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 isolating with your. I haven't I haven't congratulated you, mate. You got a you popped <laughs> a question recently, didn't you? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're with yeah, you're with. One. You're isolating with your fiance Alina at the moment. Um, yeah. What's your what? Uh, how, we'll do a quick quick couple of minutes. I'm sure you must be fucking exhausted talking about it. But like, how has um, how has all this affected affected your plans for the next few months? Have you uh, has it has it affected you a lot? Because obviously you you do a lot of work with the kind of um, windsurf and kitesurf tours. Obviously their events have been postponed and things. What's 
what's that been like um, for you? Yeah, I mean, it's like I don't want to say the wrong thing because it's it's a bad situation in the end. No, no, uh, mate, of course, like they, you know, like it's be as honest as you like, mate. But you know, if if I'm allowed to go, you know, the talk you know about about me which <laughs> then then i'm on how it affects me is you know i'm i'm kind of happy for the break of it and and like this is it's been good on that side but on the absolute flip side it's been terrible for kind of my businesses yeah at this turning point, and it was really at this turning point and um you know i, I brought together a really cool crew you know yeah. a really cool guys who are keen to uh, help film yeah. with me as like this. I just invested, like you can't imagine, into uh, camera equipment, and, oh, like, and it's crazy. It was the moment I received some of that camera equipment. It was within hours. Lockdown like was announced, you know, uh, and then I'm trying to return it, thinking like I don't need it for some months, and maybe the events are gonna not happen, you know, this yeah, year, yeah. or you know, I don't need it as much as I needed it. So and then it's like not possible with business to business things and it's yeah. like oh so anyway but I mean it's not um, financially it's okay I can get by but it is affected by people who have expected income off you know the work that we were planning to do um, you know I've lost a lot of expected income but I never lived like that off expected income I no yeah me neither yeah. um, so. It's important to do that. And you, you just, you just said it as well. Like this, you know, this is for me as well. Like what was really frustrating is like I was, I was just at a turning point as well. Like you're mm. just at that point where you're like, I've built this. I've literally, I've yeah. built this, and I'm, I'm just yeah. at the point where it's going to start going really well, and I'm going to start, I'm going to start really succeeding. And then you're, and then it, you know, like I, di- I did a previous podcast about it, um, and I, you know, like it's literally someone has just gone Doop, and just pressed the pause button, and you're like, yeah. oh, fuck. Uh, you're just starting to get into a sprint and then yeah. someone just puts a hurdle in front of you and you trip yeah. over it and graze your knees it's crazy like there's there's different points of that as well like some is like you're kind of like yeah you, you, you know stuff's developing and it's happening yeah and then yeah. there's a point where it's like you've been preparing stuff for it you know contracts and stuff like that have gone out and, and then there's the point where you've invested in it as well and for me it caught me at the point where it was like everything is out the door invested (laughs) and and everything's lined up just weeks away like or even a couple of weeks away for like the first events and then suddenly they're all pulled it was crazy so you caught you with your pants down mate that's that's the way to put it but you know as i said like i don't live off uh future income i live off what i have um so i'm finding respect but yeah i mean it's affected a lot of people and it's I think for everyone out there who's, you know, in that same position, it is, in the end, it's just, everything's on ice. It's not just for you as a person, it's on ice for everyone. So, you know that, okay, it's not going to be like this when it starts again. No. I, I'm sorry to say that. I, I just genuinely believe it's, it's not true. really. It's true, it's not. No, no, it's not. It's going to be a slow start. It's going to be like you started your business, but you're already in position with a lot yeah. of stuff so actually, and you've already got a lot more knowledge you know yeah exactly so and then once it does kick off i think we're all gonna have to work a lot harder than we kind of wanted to because we thought we'd gone over that hurdle of working hard which is what you do when you start a business you work your ass off yeah and 
we kind of go over that, but I think we're all going to have to work like that again, like the beginning, like how we're setting things up yeah. just for some time. And then hopefully, fingers crossed, things do return to normal. I think that's, I think that's a, good, a good analogy you made there. Like everything's on ice. Like it hasn't, it hasn't melted. Nothing's melted. Yeah. It's just all on yeah. ice. Like you yeah. haven't, you haven't, you haven't failed. Like your, your, your yeah. business hasn't failed because you put out a video that no one liked and that your clients were like, no, we don't like it. We're getting rid of you. That's not, that's mm-hmm. not why this has happened. This has happened because the whole world has just stopped, has been put on ice. Yeah, it's crazy. So I think that's, that's like a really important thing, I think, for, for people to take away. Um, yeah, I think it's super important. I think a lot of people are getting affected by, you know, by by yeah suddenly they've lost their work they've lost their livelihood but then at the same time there's the crazy fear-mongering of kind of pretty irresponsible reporters in my opinion Mm. of putting out like crazy headlines um which were really you know uh, yeah i just think irresponsible um about all this stuff and you know you can look at it now and, and stuff like that and you know some people take the view on it's just like the flu which I think is also completely irresponsible you've got to find the line there yeah. but it's, it's affecting people for sure mentally they're getting like lost you know in, in this stuff you, so. don't, you, don't, you, don't know, you don't know where to look I mean you know at, at the best of times it's hard it's hard for a lot of people like, like we were saying you know even at being to, to you know a lot of people a lot of windsurfers especially their dream is being you know a professional windsurfer and doing all this and then from what we said earlier even at the top of the sport you have you have little meltdowns you have that time where you get in and you fucking throw your harness on the ground so even that but then you've got that now and it doesn't this virus you know it doesn't matter who you are it doesn't matter whether you're the ceo of a global company whether you're a professional windsurfer whether you work in a shop every single person's life has been completely affected by this i mean everyone sitting at home watching netflix chilling and doing a bit of like homework you know i think it could be be a lot worse mate you know like we're all yeah just just get in get download netflix and get yourself get yourself on like i said in the last one mate you know get game of thrones on that's 80 hours there straight away mate Yeah, okay. no, I think like I mean I think you have to find the structure don't you you have to work these times and then you're like okay evening time chill and it's oh, dude, sure. and, and I think that, I think yeah you need to like compartmentalize your day I think a little bit if you can yeah, um, yeah. otherwise otherwise you'll just get sucked down the, the black hole but we'll leave we'll leave um coronavirus chat there mate so um are you what what are you thinking there? well actually I, I say we're gonna leave it there but i just got one more thing are you you thinking you you go to cape town every year don't you because you, you've got a place there and obviously their southern hemisphere so our winter european winter is their summer so you yeah. i mean i've done it as well it's kind of a bit of a mecca for windsurfers and, and kind of december january february time of year um but you've got a place there are you you're probably going to head there again this winter or yeah i mean that would be the plan i imagine um I, I have got it rented out kind of long term at the moment, but um, I think I can jump in there for a month or two. So I probably go there like kind of October, November time. I like to go there a bit more early season these days because uh, the peak season is really like hectic. Oh. <laughs> it's busy, man. It's really busy. It's cool. Would you say that's your like? My, I always ask a few questions at the end of end of every podcast. Like, what's your? Would you say Cape Town's like your happy place? If you could be. You, you know, if all this was over, say you click your fingers now and you can be anywhere in the world, like where where would you be? Where's your happy place? I'm, I'm a romantic. I'll just be with my fiance. Oh, <laughs> oh you just know she's going to listen to this, mate. You know it. <laughs> she won't get this. Oh, I'm going to go do my dance. Yeah, I'm bored now. 
No, <laughs> <laughs> man. I, yeah, it's, yeah, it's like that. But then I'm lucky that she wants to go where I want to go and I want to go where she wants to go. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, she's, she, you know, she's a, she's like a, a kite surfer as well, isn't she? So it's, I'm lucky enough, like Heidi, my girlfriend, she's a windsurfer as well. So all those holiday plans, everything I've always been yeah. super easy. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, 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 we're going yeah. to Fort Aventura, we'll go to Cape Town, we'll go and do this, you know. And it's, it's, oh, it's sweet. <laughs> yeah, fuck yeah. yeah. She made me go to Mauritius. I didn't like, I wasn't desperate to go there, but she wanted to go. So we go there, and then and I found like the sickest place on earth for women yeah. surfing. I was going to say, I've never met anyone who isn't desperate to go to Mauritius. So that's interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. Nice, it's mate. Oh, I think we'll um, I think we'll leave it there, dude. I mean, th- thank you for being so so candid about your about your injuries and stuff. And like, I think people mm-hmm. find it really interesting to see into um, into what it's like. Um, you know, I think a lot of, a lot of people obviously see your your productions that you do, the videos you do. But I think hopefully people will get a bit more of um, of an insight. So thank you for being so candid, mate. That's really cool. No worries. Thanks so much for the chat. It was nice. Good to have a good chat and catch up. Yeah, yeah, for sure, mate. Um, so yeah. Um, Plug, plug, plug what you need to plug, mate. So you've got um, a film. Is it is it finished? Is it dropping soon? As far as you can, part two? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, as far as I can, too. It rolls off the back of the first one, obviously. Um, that was a trip up to Norway um, and to the Arctic Circle. And that was pretty cool. Um, long road trip up there, exploring spots. Um, rolls off the back of that. Like the guys at Red Digital Cinema and Zeiss Cinematography got a load of this and wrote me and said, oh, let's support you for the next one. So they threw some gear my way and I was like, okay, I better do something good. <laughs> so, yeah, so no, I rolls on the back of that. It was to Iceland and Namibia and super cool trip. Um, you know, there was a place, I, I've been to Namibia a couple of times before and um, I wanted to, like we've been to this spot and I saw in the distance this place and I'm like, no one can ever have been there before. There's yeah. no chance. I start asking around like local forums and stuff, and yeah, yeah, and no one, no one had been there. Like everyone who was local there was like, no one goes there. You know, you've got to go through a national park. You can't drive through it. So the only way to get there is to like windsurf upwind for five kilometers, and oh. then you get there. And I wanted to go there, so then we made this trip to get there, and there was a lot of drama on the way. The cars getting stuck, and yeah, yeah. like we. We, we got the tide wrong. We had to like literally charge through breaking waves that were coming up. If we'd missed it, we would have like, uh, um, there was all sorts of timing issues. And if, if we got stuck, the cars would have been like sunk in the sand and <laughs> feel like the ocean. It's, it's a little bit dramatic for sure. And it's not necessarily about like the latest, sickest moves. Of course, there's good sections. Uh, yeah, yeah. Really sick place between um south africa and namibia the border there's a river that runs through there orange river right. and there's a spot there a town that's only just opened up um because it was literally a whole town was built just for diamond mining operations in, yeah, in yeah. The southern Namibia, and it was completely closed because they wouldn't let people in and out they would search them like open their mouths search their mouths and stuff if they're trying to take diamonds away and it yeah. just opened up a year ago and we went there and like windsurfed the entrance uh, to the river, like the river mouth. Yeah. And there's the craziest spots and sick wildlife. And one local dude from the town, he was a kite surfer. Yeah. Uh, there and, and we, we scored that. So, yeah, this whole movie is coming up. It's in the next, you know, few weeks. So. Next few weeks. Nice. Yeah. Oh, man, I'm really, really, really excited to see it. Um, yeah. yeah. Those of you, uh, thank you very much for listening, guys. Um, we forgot to mention our beers, uh, but nothing exciting for me. We are all on lockdown. 
I've run out of my nice beers on drinking Peroni, but it's still a nice beer. Um, you're obviously in Munich, so you're probably drinking something fucking unbelievable. Um, Lager beer hell. Lager beer hell. It sounds sounds intimidating. Yeah. Oh, it's a nice yeah. bottle though. It's a nice bottle. Um, yeah, guys, we'll leave it there. Um, thank thank you very much for listening. Stay tuned. Um, as I said, this will be going out on on Thursday evenings. Please like, share, subscribe. Let me know any uh, feedback you guys have about the podcast. Of course, I love all that stuff. Um, and stay tuned for the next episode with just myself that will be dropping on Monday. Uh, stay safe, guys, and thank you.